0: This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And
1: I'm Megzi. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle.
0: Every Thursday, we'll show you how we travel the planet in style, full-time, for as little as $200 per person per month. And every Monday, we interview digital
1: entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income.
0: So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Travel Mondays, episode 065. In this episode, we are in Essaouira, Morocco. We will be eating local and super fresh. And we also get fresh chicken. And when we say fresh... There's I-
1: like live ones still running around. Yeah, we got one the other day that was so fresh it was still warm. <laughs> as well as getting an unforgettable massage experience.
0: I... <laughs> was just instructed to get my face straight on the wet, warm, and full of bacteria stone tiles, and my face would be firmly planted there for the duration of this wonderful massage I was about to receive. (laughs) Hey, everybody!
1: Hello! We
0: are back, it's been a month off in January, but it's February now, and we are here again with five new episodes this month.
1: Yes, 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 yeah, so uh, we're gonna, Bash these ones out. There's going to be one for each week of February. And then in March, we're going to have to take another month off. Ooh,
0: Sorry, guys, but it's for ooh. a really important
1: thing. We're running our very own travel blog monetization virtual summit. it's yeah. a mouthful.
0: Mm, it is, but it, it does what it says on the tin. If there's a tin. If there's it no does It does what it says there's on virtual. the internet.
1: Yes. So uh, if that is something that actually you would be interested in joining in with and uh, learn a bit more about how travel bloggers really make money, uh, we're going to have in-depth, actionable content, talks, worksheets, like everything. Like we want it to be like the best possible summit. So um. Go and check out travelblogsummit.com, and you can get more info there. Plus, you know, a bonus offer if you uh, pre-register.
0: Yeah, pre-registered this month, and there's a little bonus. You'll find out what it is if you go to the landing page. So do it. Go there. It looks super pretty. We just uh, finished souping it up with Optimized Press which is a tool we use all the time for loads of our blogs we've actually talked about that in previous episodes travelfreedompodcast.com slash 056 you can go back if you want to learn more about landing pages why we use them and how they convert things
1: yeah totally so uh, yeah if you want to make learn how to make an income on the road like we do, uh, check out travelblogsummit.com, find out more about what is happening in March.
0: Yes, so that's enough business talk because of course today is a travel episode and we're actually heading to the Atlantic coast of Africa, to Essaouira in Morocco.
1: Yeah, so you might remember that earlier this year we talked about living in a palace for $350 a month.
0: That was last year, yes, but earlier last year. It's now 2016.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what I mean. Earlier
0: this year, we were taking a break. We were <laughs> this is the first episode, so there's really nothing earlier.
1: Yeah. But uh, we wanted to talk a little bit more about what it was like living in Essowera. It's uh, more than just having a massive 30-seat tea lounge.
0: Which was cool, but also pointless. But cool. Yeah. Biggest lounge I've ever had yes <laughs> ridiculous most cushions we've ever had oh it's a lot of cushions and I just don't care about cushions <laughs> I'm not that, into it you're
1: the anti-cushion soft man soft
0: furnishings are not that important to me honestly but uh anyway in today's episode we'll be talking about the food uh, the history and one of the most unusual massage experiences we've ever had well I've ever had at least. More on that later. So, yes, you'll be glad to know Story Corner is back.
1: Yes, we were having a conversation the other day, and we're like, what the hell? We haven't done Story Corner in... A-. Actually, to tell you through Tom's like, I haven't done Story Corner in ages, and people must be missing my accents.
0: People will be missing my special accents. So, more accents coming up in today's Story Corner, the 1st of 2016.
1: We wait. wait.
0: Yeah, that's nearer the end of the show, so keep listening through. And that will be coming up. First of all, let's talk about eating local food in Morocco.
1: Yeah. So as we mentioned in a previous episode, I think we did, um, going to a local restaurant to eat in Moroccan food, it just didn't really work out for us that well. We ate quite a few times at different restaurants, trying to see if we could find, you know, something that was good. And it just... Uh, It didn't didn't really really to our expectations.
0: Yeah, it really didn't. Because the whole cuisine of Morocco is steeped in this amazing history of spices and wonder and allure. And you see it on TV and go, ooh, tagines. Mm, And they they look so pretty with their giant dome, sort of the reverse dome shaped lids that let this all steam inside this big clay pot thing. And what are you thinking? Oh, that's going to be awesome and then you go there and it's really not very good. Because yeah. like they've got all this cumin and ginger, cinnamon, cardamom, saffron, paprika, pepper, all these cool spices, not and there. then we're eating out and it doesn't taste of anything. It just tastes bland as hell. And um, there's another really amazing spice we learned about as well when we were there. It's called Ras Al Hanout, and it literally translates as head of the shop. And it's a secret blend of spices that every spice merchant, they just make their own one. So there's always something under the counter. You say, you got any Razal Hanout?" And he'll like pull out a little box and go, sure. Here we go." Yeah, here you go. Here's my special spice blend. Mm-hmm. And no one's allowed to know what it is. So, yeah, I love that stuff. You put your face in a bag of it and just inhale the scent and it's amazing. You will not regret it. Complex, full force spice. Uh, makes your couscous really pop. But they don't seem to use it in the restaurants. That's the thing, the flavors just aren't there. It's a real freaking disaster. So what is going on? What, why has this gone so badly?
1: Well, we actually discovered that to get a truly authentic Moroccan food experience that's lovingly prepared correctly and just given the love that it needs, you have to do it in a Moroccan home.
0: Yeah, because it sort of turns out that Moroccan people don't really eat Moroccan food when they go out. No. Because they eat that at home every day. The so they don't really go out for tagines. I mean, you can see some Moroccan guys in there having a tagine or whatever occasionally, but it's not the main thing they go out for.
1: But also if you want it fresh, like it takes a couple of hours to make as well. Yeah,
0: so when you're getting it served in a restaurant in 10 minutes, you pretty much know yeah, it's reheating. probably been reheated. They cooked up a whole batch at the start of the week, stuck it in a freezer, and yeah. If it's not taking two hours to make your tagine, it's probably not a full-on proper tagine.
1: Yeah. So the the first taste we got of real good quality Moroccan food was when we took a cooking class with...
0: With Khadija's Cuisina. Exactly. Unfortunately, we're not going to talk about that experience today because that is on our blog. And if you jump on the show notes for this episode, you can go and read all about it and see the photos because that'll be a little bit exciting. Yeah.
1: So yeah, we knew that we couldn't eat Uh, In home all the time, just making random friends with Moroccans and going, "Can you feed us?" So instead of eating out, we yeah learned how to make the food ourselves, and then we went to like the incredibly affordable local markets, and then there you can buy the fresh ingredients and spices, so you can cook these amazing foods all for yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. So in Essaouira, and like in a lot of Moroccan cities, they've got this main walled city right in the centre. It's called the Medina. And that's the same name, like the Medina is the name they use for this walled city center thing that they have in all these different Morocco cities all over the country. So we'll go into a little more about the history of why that sort of thing exists a little bit later on, but with regards to food and markets. Every single medina seems to have all these local stores. They're selling produce, same clothes, spices, knickknacks, random Chinese shit sometimes as well. Yeah, <laughs> as well yeah as that was weird. things that are made locally, shoes, whatever you want, really. Uh, it's always an exciting place. It's always buzzing. There's always life going on. There's always a lot of people. So the walls of the city here in Esawira, they're a few meters high, I guess maybe like 20 feet for people using that measurement of distance. Feet. I don't even
1: know what that is.
0: It's in American thing, <laughs> we use it in England sometimes. Um, but there are plenty of gates around the city in this huge wall. I guess there's about five or six gates in the city. Some little ones, some big ones. The north main gate is called Babdukola and that leads very quickly down one of the main avenues to a lot of fresh produce stores. So we used to go down that little area All the time.
1: Yeah, totally. The roads are rough and, you know, mostly cars are not allowed down into the Medina area. So aside from those main avenues, most of the streets are really windy and like not really wide at all. No, they're
0: tiny. They're only like a few feet wide, like a meter, two meters wide. Some of them. It's just, it's one of those maze places. (laughs) It's It's really
1: easy to get lost.
0: Yeah. I mean, they've got these in Marrakesh, they've got them in other Moroccan cities, these old tiny streets and they're all full. They're just full of local traders and dentists, just most random dentists. Yeah, you
1: didn't you wouldn't want to go to that no.
0: dentist. <laughs> but it was cool. It was like no McDonald's or anything like that. It was yeah. all sort of independent stores. You didn't really see any chains inside that main sort of Medina area. Which is cool. And hopefully they won't put any of those in there. I mean if they try and keep it authentic, which they should, then it's gonna stay like that for a long time, which will keep all the tourists coming back, I guess. Yeah. They'll probably build a McDonald's outside. There probably already was one, we just didn't pay attention. So uh, anyway, let's take a walk through the Medina and the markets with an actual life clip from when we were there. So yeah, when you enter Babdookala at the north end of the Medina, you can walk straight down the central road and it's just wall-to-wall shopping. The first area is where the Moroccans shop where you get all the really cheap stuff.
1: Yeah, it's like cheap Chinese knockoff stuff.
0: Yeah, and then as you go further down, biscuits, of
1: course. They do oh, like there's biscuits. lots of
0: biscuits and there's food markets and that stuff's all good to buy. But then you get to the end of that first part of the street, you go through the arch, and it all starts turning into touristy shops, which are actually selling some pretty nice stuff, and you can bargain pretty hard, and get some good bargains. And yeah. also
1: the shop sellers are really a lot more friendly, and they're not so hardcore with the like bartering and negotiation, they're not very aggressive. So.
0: Yeah, compared to Marrakesh, it's actually pretty easy going around here, everyone's pretty friendly.
1: Let's go visit the Olive Man.
0: Yes, we have arrived at the Olive Man, and you can get olives here for about two euros a kilo. Is about 20 dirhams in the local currency. So, yeah. But we have to try not to buy any because we already have a fridge full of olives. Full of we are in the very, very local part of the market in the Medina where they do all the fresh food, including chickens, as you could probably hear. They've also got live rabbits, they've got ducks here, fruit and veg around the corner. Goose? So, it's, this is sort of off the main street and people don't really. You don't see a lot of tourists coming around at this bit. This is where the locals come to get their meat, because it's a bit cheaper than buying it off the main street. So, essentially, when you walk down the main street, south from Bab Dukala, you'll pass the Olive Guys, and then behind those, on the right, that's where this little market area is. And, you know, the price of fruit and veg here is pretty crazy. You can get a kilo of, like, baby tomatoes for 20 to 40 cents. Buy a whole chicken is about three euros, so I suppose that's not super cheap, but it is fresh, because they actually have all the live chickens, and they just, they kill them. And then you can eat them. You might want to cook them first,
1: though. I would cook it first.
0: It's pretty well stocked. Anything you want. Got lemons, got chilies, cucumbers, grapefruit, or pompe le mousse, as they say in the French. And you can even pick up, you get a massive bunch of herbs like mint or coriander or parsley, it'll cost you about 10 cents. Like a big bunch. So you can live here very affordably, that's for sure. So yeah, of course, the Medina is always pretty busy with a mix of tourists and locals, and they do have slightly inflated prices, of course, because that's like the center of town. That's the, the pricey bit.
1: But bartering is always encouraged.
0: Yeah, quite a few things you can barter on, but we didn't find that they were really pushing the prices up too much.
1: No, Esauera is a lot less hardcore than uh, heading to Marrakesh, that's Marrakesh for Marrakesh
0: sure. is pretty tough and you need to bargain some of the time. But uh, there is also another option to get all your tasty local fresh ingredients away from the crowds and for an even more reasonable price. So we've actually been living in Esauira for a month, and instead of living in the Medina, where most of the tourists stay, which is the sort of walled old city, we've lived outside, so not only is it cheaper, we're only sort of a 10 minute walk, 15 minute walk from the Medina, or a very short, cheap taxi ride. But we also get the benefit of having all of the local stuff going on, that is a much better price. So we've got our bakery right here. It's a 20-second walk from our house.
1: We've been eating fresh bread like every day. Yeah. And when I say fresh, I mean it's just come out of the oven. Yeah. It's they, still hot. They pull and, it out of
0: the oven and and put they give it, it to bag. us. Yeah. <laughs> it's one dirham, which is like 10 cents. Yeah. So every time we walk out of our house, there's just this amazing smell of fresh bread. They make baguettes and they make the local round bread. And of course, Morocco used to be sort of like a French protectorate. So they're not bad at making bread. No,
1: they picked up the good skills from the French on that one.
0: If you are a local and you have your own tray, you can actually make your own dough at home, take it in and pay them one dirham to bake the entire tray.
1: Yeah, they're the local bakery for everyone around. Because naturally, everyone can't afford to have
0: or at least they save money and they make their own bread rather than buying someone else's. Well, oh, as well. Yeah. I think a lot of the people living around here are not really poor. It's not like a poverty-stricken area. Most people have homes. There's not that many beggars about.
1: Oh, no. This is quite a nice area. It's all reasonable. Reasonably new build actually.
0: Yeah, and most of Essaaroa is it's not like India where the poverty is everywhere. Most people here are well enough off to be like semi-middle class and yeah, everyone's got their own space. They the might good have thing to is, share, it's
1: like most fruit and vegetables is exceptionally affordable.
0: Everything's affordable. That's the great thing. And that's why people can live in a sort of semi-middle class way, because the cost of living is so low that even if you don't have a high wage, it is possible to live here and uh, not be like you are in England or Australia, broke all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: So we're walking into the fruit and veg market. And effectively, there's just this stretch of road, like this corner of road, just about two minute walk from our house. And every single morning, there's always fish being sold here, eggs, fresh fruit and vegetables. And people just come in with their little carts, so it's all independent sellers, like a real market. And by two o'clock, almost everyone's gone.
1: Yeah, so, so you got to come down in the morning. But also, they don't really start setting up till about 10 o'clock, so yeah, it's they like, like a good sleep in It's like
0: short stint. But yeah, you can get depending on the season, we've been here during strawberry season, we've been getting strawberries for between one and two dollars a kilo. A kilo, I did say kilo, i not yep. That's not a punnet, that's a kilo. A
1: kilo, and you get to pick whatever strawberries you want, they just have them all laid out on their trailer, and you pick whichever the best ones are.
0: Yeah, and you can get a massive bunch of herbs, like a big bunch for about eight to 10 cents. We've got mint, parsley, there's also coriander, a few other ones that I probably don't recognize. Yeah, so it's pretty easy for us to sort of do our entire fruit and veg shop for the week for about 10 to $15, and we're eating fresh all the time. But of course, we don't have to do it for the week because we can come down here every single day and get it as fresh as we want it. And it just means we're living off the nicest, freshest fruit and vegetable, which is It
1: really awesome. has made a difference to the food that we've been eating. It's so much tastier.
0: It's all about fresh ingredients that haven't been stored in a supermarket for two weeks. These things have been picked this morning or yesterday, and they bring them down on the cart, and then they go home. A lot of these are like small independent sellers that are growing stuff on their own, little farm, their own little farms.
1: Oh yeah, it's just what they're growing in their backyard. Out in the mountains and then they bring it in.
0: Yeah, so it's been really awesome to have fresh food all the time. And we also get fresh chicken. And when we say fresh... There's I'd- like
1: live ones still running around. Yeah. And then the ones who are not so live that we go we'll have that one please
0: yeah the guy actually kills them takes the feathers off and guts them and then has them up front of the shop
1: yeah we got one the other day that was so fresh it was still warm
0: (laughs) yes that's pretty pretty crazy and of course the olives here, awesome olives. You're paying less than $2 a kilo. Again, a yep. kilo for fresh olives, not the ones you get in a jar with brine. And
1: they do massive varieties as well. They do ones with citrus and they do ones with rosemary and they do ones with the harissa, which is the local sort of spicy sort like salsa kind of stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah, so like a sour, spicy salsa so yeah. is really nice. The bread guy.
1: Uh, that was just the best living, so close to that guy. There's nothing better than walking out of the apartment and you just get this whiff of smell, and you're instantly drawn around to the bakery where you can get this big bread roll that's like big enough to feed the two of us. And it was 10 cents. Like, yeah. I used to go in there and I could choose ones that were just coming straight out of the oven. I'll be like, and you go, I will have that one.
0: Yeah, and this is like 12 or more hours a day of them just baking bread in that place.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. You can go in, in the evening and they're still baking up the last batch of the day. Yes. And I love the fact that you can actually rent an oven.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people in the neighborhood don't necessarily have their own ovens, so they take it to him to have it cooked. It's such a good idea.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if we'd actually tried to make our own pizza if we could have just taken it in there and got it baked.
1: Yeah, we, that know. Would have been we should have sweet. tried that. Yo.
0: Yeah, yeah, because we can't resist the pizza. Um, so anyway, it turned out that in our three years on the road, I reckon Essara is probably the most affordable place for food market shopping. Totally. Like so crazy cheap, as we mentioned in some of those clips, the sort of prices. I mean, we're getting avocados for $2 a kilo. I isn't? was
1: in heaven. I love avocados.
0: Yeah, you just grab a whole bunch of those and you're paying nothing for it. And yeah, strawberries for... A dollar a kilo at times. I think it's probably the cheapest one we got. Yeah, super cheap. Yeah Somewhere between a dollar dollar fifty a kilo is pretty standard. So it's crazy So anyway, that's food lots and lots of stuff about food, of course nom, 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 nom. So if you are planning on finding a little place to stay for a month and you want to just be able to go to the local market and get fresh stuff every day and cook Wonderful dishes. Essaouira is just one of the most affordable places you could possibly do that. So let's talk about some history.
1: All right. History lesson for everyone. So
0: yes. Yes, a little cultural history and a natural history because uh, Esauera is actually built around this natural harbor. At one end, you've got the Medina, and that's like built as a port on the end of the harbor. And it's sort of this huge, huge bay. It must be about four or five kilometers long, perhaps, and it's all sand. And it's like this crescent moon shape yeah but it's been settled in that area people have been living there since prehistoric times and it's actually been recorded as a trading port as far back as the fifth century bc so it has been occupied continuously since then as well so it really has got a lot of history a lot of the history has sort of been replaced as it's been modernized but the other thing that makes it really interesting is the really high winds you're just whipping up the sand all the time most of the year it's just crazy wind coming in from the atlantic And that actually keeps the temperature really cool.
1: It does, but it also makes it a really kick-ass place to go kite surfing.
0: Yes. Really
1: popular for kite surfing, windsurfing, surfing, surfing. surfing.
0: I don't know if, like, ancient visitors were taking part in in that sort of activity, but we did. We did. (laughs) Which, I don't know if it's a traditional activity, I very much doubt it. Yeah,
1: we teamed up with a company called Explorer Morocco, and that gave us our first taste of kite surfing, where we didn't get wet. No. At all.
0: <laughs> it's uh, when you've got the wind blowing that hard, actually, even just standing on the beach trying to figure out how to operate the machinery and like flip the, the little air parachutey thing around, whatever they're called. The kite. kite that kite. would be it. The kite
1: for the kite the surfing. The kite
0: for the kite surfing. Yes. So unexpected that that's the terminology. I
1: thought. Quite so, yeah, our whole first lesson was just spent on the beach. And we actually had to call it quits because the wind really picked up and like we were almost getting blown yeah it's yeah if you, down the beach if you pull
0: it at the wrong angle you would be like lifted off your feet pretty much yeah and like pulled down the beach which was crazy fun but if you want to go and learn to kite surf that's a really awesome place to do it because it's relatively affordable and you've just got Pretty much guaranteed wind conditions for at least like half the year, if not more. Yeah, for sure. So really good opportunities. Choose the right season, and you'll be out there being able to go kite surfing every day. But just get more than one lesson, because otherwise you're probably not going to get wet. You're just going to be practicing on the beach. So yeah, it was pretty hard to get the hang of. So yeah, that's the best thing to do. Anyway, uh, history, because I got sort of diverted from history into uh, non-history. Kite surfing. Yeah, it was... It was in the 1760s when they built the modern walled city, the Medina as it is now. And there's also a fortress attached to that. And it was all down to politics. Everything's down to politics, of course. Okay. So King Mohammed II, he's a little bit pissed off that all these traders down in Agadir, which is like a port town much further south from Esauira, uh, they were all sort of bringing in all the trade there. But he wasn't very happy with them because they were sort of supporting one of his rivals who he thought might try and take his crown and try and become king. And so he's like, well, why am I paying money to get stuff from their port? I should just build my own port because I'm a king and I can do whatever the hell I want. So that's what he did. And he chose the nearest sort of good harbor spot to Marrakesh. It's like a direct line straight to the coast from Marrakesh. And he fortified it and turned it into a full port so that he could control it and stick two fingers up at Agadir. Yep. Which is pretty much what happened.
1: And, yeah, that's how we have uh, Esauera. Yeah. So the city was developed.
0: Yes, the modern... Awesome city that you can walk around in between all these walls and tiny little streets. And we actually went to visit the fortress, of course, at the bottom of the city. They had to have something to protect against pirates and all that crap. That western coast of Morocco definitely used to suffer from some of those problems. And even the Portuguese were, they invaded Essaouira at one point before the wall, those walls were built as i recall the portuguese were actually based there for about 20 years or so in i think the 16th century so yeah they needed some protection they didn't want to lose that stuff again so we had to walk around the fortress let's have a listen to the clip
1: and here we are in issuer we have gone to visit the fortress
0: well yeah because that's what you do right you've got to visit the fortress it
1: is actually the place where you will get your postcard picture shot without having to buy a postcard. Get it yourself.
0: Yeah, and that means you can be in it rather than just some random stranger on a postcard.
1: Exactly. So to get entrance into the fort it only costs 10 dirham.
0: It's the touristy thing but it's pretty cool and you get a really nice view of the outside of the main city, the medina. The walled city here.
1: Yeah, you don't get a good view like this from anywhere else around Essaouira, and you've got the coastline right up against the fortress wall. It's uh, very pretty, very picturesque.
0: Yeah, and you want to get here before 11 o'clock in the morning because otherwise the tourists start arriving on their day tours from Marrakesh. and then they're going to be all queuing up to take photos in the picture postcard spot. Yeah.
1: Uh, so the interesting thing about this place—it's 18th century built. And it's got its original cannons.
0: Yeah, and they're pretty well carved with little details, little lion and stuff on them. Funny handles that might be like fish or something. I don't know. What?
1: What is that? Sea sea lions or
0: something? Or horses Horses. heads, seahorse heads, maybe?
1: I don't know, yeah.
0: But yeah, they're green as well. So they're probably made of copper, I guess.
1: Yeah, so from the green. from the fort as well, you can get a great view of all the fishing boats, which are all blue. It's a
0: and you can have seagulls shit on your head, probably.
1: Well, not yet.
0: Not yet, but not eventually. Yet.
1: Let's hope not. It's
0: where they sell the sardines. I don't want
1: to get shot on today.
0: Yeah, they're selling the sardines down in the port, just opposite the fort. And so. Which is the
1: typical Essaouira thing. You calm down, you buy some sardines, and then you go and get some dudes to cook it up fresh for you. Which
0: we might be doing later on. So head on down to the fort if you're here. Come down in the morning. get yourself some nice photos, and just for a dollar. So, yes, the port below the fortress is filled with all these blue boats. And that makes for some great photography. We'll stick some on the show notes. Yeah. But now, now, what time is it?
1: Oh, it's time for the return of Story Corner.
0: Hello there, Story Corner, with my random Somerset accent from Morocco. <laughs> that makes total <horrible> sense. <laughs> it makes lots of sense, doesn't it, Mr. Frodo? So no, actually, this accent is not from New Zealand. It's as do a Lord of the Rings fans might believe it is, but it's not. Uh, it's actually for a place in England where Tolkien based his Hobbit land on, the Shire, It's actually called Somerset, that's where I come from. That's what everyone around there sounds like. They sound like this.
1: They do. It makes me giggle every time
0: we go to visit Tom's parents. (laughs) And they hear the accent. Go down to pub. Uh, Go down to pub for a pint of beer. I'm
1: quite glad you don't have that accent.
0: I don't have that accent anymore. But I thought it'd be appropriate for a Moroccan episode. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, really? And, yeah, I don't sound like that anymore. It it just went. The accent went. I used to sound a little bit like that when I was young. Believe it or not. Can you believe it? I can't believe it.
1: No, I can't believe it.
0: But anyway, that's another story. Let's not talk about my crazy history in Somerset. Uh, today is a story about our Moroccan massages. They were two very different experiences, yes?
1: Very, very different. So, the Moroccan um, bathhouses, they're called hammams. So, it's quite similar to the Turkish hammams.
0: In fact, I think the word is probably the same, same word, same. perhaps.
1: So, it's quite a regular ritual for local people to just go and bathe in these public bathhouses regularly. So, um, they just go and wash and they gossip and they catch up with their mates and that's what they do. The one we went to, you could wear your underwear.
0: Yeah, I think most of them, you can probably wear your underwear and no one's going to find it weird. Fussy about it. But sometimes some of the people in there are naked. So, yeah. yeah. Some, some not, some, some. And of course, it's gender segregated because we're not in Norway right now. It's uh, Morocco and they're a little bit bit, uh, sensitive about the whole shared nudity.
1: So, of course, we decided that we had to go along and give it a try. Uh, You can pay for a really fancy hotel experience, which you'll pay a butt ton of money for. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a generic spa kind of thing. I don't know. It just didn't seem like it was any different to go into a spa anywhere around the
0: world. Yeah, so that's why we decided to opt for the very local bathhouse, and instead of paying a fortune for what is probably just a regular massage, we paid thirteen dollars each for the super premium package with argan oil massage and black soap scrub. Sounds fancy, doesn't it? it did for thirteen sound fancy. bucks. It might not have turned out as fancy as it sounds. But anyway, in our ever continuing mission to live as local as possible when we're in places, that's what we did. So we ended up having pretty different experiences from that $13. So I guess Meg should tell you hers first.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my experience was actually quite lovely. The women took me in, and even though, like, no one spoke a single word of English, they were all really kind, friendly. Um, you know, they were sort of giggling a bit. They were like, oh, look at the crazy white woman. You know, they were trying to speak French to me, a couple of them. And I was like, oh... I do not speak French. <laughs> Pardon. No. 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 No French. No. Français. No. So when I walked in, I could see women just going about their business. They were bathing, washing their hair. Uh, kids had just been plopped into buckets of water and were splashing around and, you know, just keeping themselves entertained while their mums just gossiped and bathed and did their thing. Uh, this particular hair man wasn't a completely naked one. So um, I just had my underwear on. Most of the women had their underwear on. There's a couple getting around naked, but, yeah. So, it wasn't full-on hardcore nudity with a bunch of strangers, but pretty close to it. Yep. Yes. so, the lady who was taking care of me took me into, like, this back sort of – there's, like, three different rooms, and she instructed me with gestures (laughs) to to sit down on a mat of questionable cleanliness. So – Even though I said that people were wearing underwear, I still just didn't know how many bare asses had been on that mat or the last time it had been cleaned. So, but yeah, I just sucked it up and laid down on the mat where she wanted me to. And this is where you actually get the scrub. So if you've ever had a full body scrub, they've got like this glove that they put on that's almost made out of sandpaper. Pretty much. And they will scrub you within an inch of your life and all the skin coming off is disgusting. But you do feel lovely at the end of it. Once all the pain has stopped and you, then you feel your skin and you're like, oh, that was quite nice. Post
0: pain. It's wonderful. It
1: wasn't as bad as I was expecting. I'd heard some people say that it was really painful. So I don't know if she was just going easy on me or because I was expecting it to be worse. It turned out to be not as bad as I'd expected. I don't know. But anyway, it did kind of hurt, but it wasn't as bad. Um, After that all happens, then she took me into another room where she washed my hair. um, She washed my body. Uh, Don't worry. You take care of your own bits. (laughs) (laughs) They don't
0: do the full lady massage. She
1: let me take care of my own lady bits with cleaning, which was appreciated. And then it's all finished where they, you know, she then grabs a big bucket of warm water and unceremoniously just... Dumps it straight on top of your head. Wonderful. And as you're like gargling and trying to, you know, realize what's happened, she will then dump another bucket of water straight on top of your head. But, you know, it actually was really nice. Once it was all done, I got dressed, I went outside to meet Tom, and I was feeling quite refreshed and relaxed from my whole experience.
0: Wow, you were refreshed and relaxed with your nice massage. What a wonderful time you had for your $13. My experience was very different. After realizing that everyone was going in their underpants, I also did that. There was, uh, yeah, everyone's just wearing the basic underpants and the pants, that's about it. Um, Tidy-whities. Ser- yeah, tidy whiteies for most of them. And I searched through the, the steamy rooms for my masseuse. So I was like, okay, let's get this massage going. And it actually took a little while. I ended up having to sit in a room going like, where the hell is this guy? Is anyone going to come and do anything? Then I went back out and was like, is this guy coming? And then I went back in. And like, okay, what's going on? So I spent like 15, 20 minutes just sitting around going, when is this guy going to turn up and give me a masseuse, you know, give me a massage? He is a masseuse. When is this guy going to turn up and give me a massage, that's what I was thinking. And eventually he did, The small, skinny, yet mainly made of muscle, Moroccan man, turned up and he pointed at the floor and indicated that I should be down on the floor. No comfortable massage bed or even mat covered in arse for me. (laughs) I was just instructed to get my face straight on the wet, warm and full of bacteria stone tiles and my face would be firmly planted there for the duration of this wonderful massage I was about to receive. (laughs) So as this tiny man leaped wildly from side to side, contorting my very soul with his ludicrously strong hands, I closed my eyes and thought of happy times eating olives at the Medina, back when I was having a good time, (laughs) rather than being attacked by this gentleman. I could take the bending of limbs, that was all right, but the continuous force of my whole body and face being pushed into a hard stone floor really was quite uncomfortable. And the soapy water that was sort of nearby had just like run off a hairy man and had poured all of his sweat onto the floor. It was all flowing towards my face and mouth. And I was like, oh, I, I really, I don't want my face on the floor anymore. This isn't what the experience I was looking for. It's not right. So after less than 15 minutes of being pounded against the floor, that was it. I was done. And um, I sulked back out to the change room and then went and sat outside, miserable and in pain and, and like I'd been violated in some way. Yeah, I
1: remember your face when I came out. <laughs> it was just, I was like, what happened? <laughs>
0: it's like, what the hell is going on? So, yeah, that was the, the most pointless 15-minute massage of pain. It's just, it just didn't really do anything for me, to be honest. But maybe you go somewhere else, you get a better one. If not, you know, just hang around, sit in the steam room, put loads of water on your head and use some soap and don't get beaten up. So maybe going to the fancy spa would have been a better idea after all for me at least.
1: Maybe for you. But yeah. it probably
0: wouldn't have been as memorable. See, now
1: you got a good story to tell.
0: I just told it. It's done. Now I haven't got a story to tell. It's been done. Podcast is done. I won't be able to do that story on the podcast again. Yeah, so no, um, that's true.
1: That's
0: it. We're well, one time. All right then. So there you go. That's a nice story from the West Country, the west of the Sahara Desert in Morocco. Well, it's almost the end of the show.
1: It is. So, travel homework time. Ooh,
0: first travel homework of 2016. What will it be? Well, in an attempt to make our travel homeworks even more absurd than usual this week, we'd like you to go and massage someone. Really give it to them. Bend them like a pretzel, make them feel alive, or at least make them feel like they wish they were dead.
1: My massage was great.
0: Oh, no, good you're for so you. you just bitter
1: about it now. You want the pain to be inflicted on everybody. I want
0: everybody to have the experience that I had. I am bitter. So, yeah, tell them you're going to give them a relaxing massage, but then actually massage the crap out of them, and then just tell them it's an authentic Moroccan experience, and they can suck it up.
1: Should point, it, point out right now that we take no responsibility for injury or death. Yes. Okay, so yeah,
0: try not to kill them. Just hurt them. And then tweet us about it. I want to hear their reactions. Tweet it to at MyTravelFreedom. Hopefully they react with less than 140 characters because otherwise (laughs) you might have to send us two or three tweets to get their whole painful message in. But next week,
1: back to business. We are back to
0: business. First business episode of 2016. We'll be talking about our essential WordPress plugins, the ones that we use for all our sites. It's not necessarily the most sexy topic in the world, but it is something that makes a real difference to our blog and it's really important to have. Cool plugins that do all of the right stuff and make your blog awesome. So we'll be telling you all the ones that we think best.
1: All right. Well, until then, have a great week and we'll see you next Monday.
0: Tweet us about your massage pain. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show
1: notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. So
0: join us again for Money Mondays to learn how to supercharge your online income.
1: Or for Travel Thursdays, we will help you travel like a prince on a pauper's budget.
0: We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at TravelFreedomPodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Mexi Catch us again on Mondays and Thursdays on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now.
1: Bye.